Hello, fam, and welcome back to Not Another Anime, the podcast, with your host, of course, Chivalrous. Thank you all so much for being patient. I needed the time away. I didn't put out an episode two weeks ago, but I'm putting one out today, and I know it wasn't early in the morning, but hey, the episode is here. I got a lot to cover, and I'm hoping it's a lengthy one to make up for the time that we lost together. Regardless, I am glad to be back. I am your host, Chivalrous, and not another animated podcast. I've been doing some streaming off and on on Twitch.tv, so I hope some of you have caught the VODs, or if you showed up, then at least you enjoyed the show and watched me die horrendously, or watched me have my little moments of success. All in all, what's keeping me frosty right now is taking a break from work. Yes, don't know if I ever shared this with you all, but I have a federal government job, and it is very stressful. I deal with communications, and they usually try to get us to work overtime most of the time, if not always. And that just wears on you, fam. You just seriously need a break from the work, from management, and from everything in between. So I've been on a break for the past couple of days, and I've enjoyed myself. It's allowed me time to refresh, to do new things, to catch up on reading, on shows, and a little gaming as well. Ghostwire Tokyo being one of those as well, which I had a great time and I'll talk about later. So, anyways, oh, did I mention I happened to catch Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the movie? Well, of course, at the movie theater, yeah, it was really good, and I'll talk about that later. I've also been doing some mountain bicycling as well and working out, just all in all. You know, this Texas weather, if none of y'all watched, uh, what was it, just this week we had a bad tornado happen in the northern part of Texas near a city called Round Rock, and it made national news because there was a truck that got flipped over. I think a couple of times, I didn't watch it, and then just drove off. I can only imagine the person in the truck was so scared and so out of it in shock that they just had to foot in the pedal and they just took off because, yeah, they made the headline news. Oh, guess what? I'm really excited for May. Well, not only being the end of school for you all, most of y'all, but it's for Obi-Wan. I just watched the trailer, and oh my goodness, this is going to be awesome. To me... The pinnacle of the Jedi Order was Obi-Wan. And yes, we can go back and forth on everyone else in between from Yoda to all the other ones. Yeah, names I don't remember. But to me, Obi-Wan was the one that embodied and engrossed the ideas and the religion of the Jedi and held it to heart and never swayed. Even in his temptations, which were mild, he still kept a clear mind and a vision of what needed to get done and the proper protocol he had to obey to stay a Jedi. And I take that from watching the Clone Wars series, um, the cartoons, and everything else from the movies as well. So my respect to Obi-Wan and looking forward to Ewan McGregor reprising his role and seeing the darkness that is season one. Now don't expect any type of positivity because you got to remember the Republic fell. The Empire has taken over. So there is no hope. There is no bright light in this series. So if any of y'all are expecting it to go in with happiness and joy and positivity, I expect to see Obi-Wan at his lowest. All his ideals, judging whether he made the right decisions or not, and basically having that moment of reflection, good and bad, and possibly his affinity towards the Force, I'm sure, and his doubts of it. And whatnot, considering what happened. But in my opinion, the Jedi got really cocky. And they were at the heights of their existence. And yeah, they let the Sith come in and sweep them off. And yeah, the rest we know. Anyways, real quick, folks. On a sad moment. I want to send off to one of my dearest friends. Well, he's a pet friend. He was a family friend as well. He was a Shih Tzu by the name of Dash. Lasted 16 years. Yeah, 1-6-16 years with our family. And unfortunately, he got to the point where he was bumping into things and his health was already going down. So Dash is no longer with our family. And I'm sending my prayers and my bond farewells and a lot of love from a family that loved the fuck out of him for 16 years. To you, Dash, this episode is for you. I love you, buddy. But on a positive note, let's hit the news. I don't have a lot of news. Usually I, I, 
I heavy sack our podcast or episodes with news, but I'm just going to touch basics because, again, I've done a lot of manga, I've done a lot of gaming, I've done a lot of movie reviews, and all of that I'm just happy to share. So, first off, I want to announce there is a new Ruby TV anime called Ruby Ice Queendom. Um, Rooster Teeth announced Friday that Shaft is producing a television anime series based on Rooster, Rooster Teeth's Ruby franchise titled Ruby Ice Queendom. And guess what? It's going to premiere later this year. Um, it was Crunchyroll that reported uh, it would stream the anime with both English and Japanese audio. Um, both versions, of course, premiering on the same date because we know sometimes or most times the simulcast. Japanese comes out first and in a few days, if not a week later, the English version, English dub comes out, if not later. So, the Ruby one imagines a world filled with horrific monsters bent on death and destruction. And humanity's only hope is dependent upon powerful huntsmen and huntresses. Of course, we know the four such huntresses as Ruby Rose, Waishni, Blake, Belladonna, and Yang Xiao. Well, we've seen them in their journeys, taking them far past the ground to their school, Beacon Academy. Um, even though they may be powerful on their own, the four girls have to overcome dark forces, as we've seen, and work as a team. Um, as far as more information regarding it, I don't have a lot other than staff members, whatnot. Um, I do know Void Chords. Let me say it again. Void underscore Chords featuring L will perform the opening theme song, Beyond Selves. And the ending song, theme song, Awake, is going to be performed by Sadori Hayami. So, look forward to that, fam, as I am looking forward to it as well. I really love the Ruby series. I know um, my buddy and pal, random guy, yeah, he's not a big fan of Ruby, but whatever. We all have our own likes and whatever. So, another anime, Orient, which I am lacking on. I'm only up to episode four or five, but I still like the series. Uh, they announced that their second core, and I talked about cores in the general uh, anime and coming out with another season and whatnot. Well, Orient Anime reveals the second part's second core to have a July premiere this year, and they're adding additional cast as well. Now, on to Netflix. Netflix adds One Piece Film Z anime, and that's going to be happening on April 15th. This film opened in Japan in December 2012. It was the fastest domestic film to sell 1 million tickets in that year as well. So... Funimation released the film in 2014. It was described to say to be said to be comparable to the ancient weapons of old. The Marines' trump card, the Dinah Stones, have suddenly been stolen by a group of renegades, vigilantes. The terrifyingly powerful man responsible, former Marine Admiral Z, now stands in the path of Luffy and his Straw Hat Pirates. Can the Straw Hat Pirates defeat Z and his crew, or will the New World meet its end at the hands of this madman? Netflix will exclusively stream the Hollywood live-action series of Odo's One Piece manga. If we didn't forget about that, which will have 10 episodes. And Odo, of course, is serving as an executive producer. But do note, Netflix is also streaming the first 130 episodes of the One Piece anime itself. Which, one day, I do plan to actually jump back in there, leaving off at 300 and something. And yes, I know, fam, it's all the way... Well, has a, yeah, it has passed 1,000. So... I'm just a little bit lacking. Yeah, yeah. So, Crunchyroll announced a release schedule for a spring 2022 anime season, and it's quite a lineup. But basically, I'm just going to touch the ones that I really care about, to be perfectly honest, such as The Rising of the Shield Hero Season 2. Mark your calendar, because it'll also be streaming on Funimation as well. April the 6th. Again, that's April the 6th for Season 2 of Rising of the Shield Hero. Also, Spy X Family is coming out on April 9th. And on that same day, the one I had talked about and really look forward to is Shikimori's Not Just a Cutie. This was the one where his girlfriend has some type of dark, how do I say this? Not sexuality, but he likes to get her hot and bothered. She gets mad and stuff happens and he really gets off to it. So, yeah, it seems to be interesting. I don't. Expect this to be in the same line as World and Harem or anything like that. I hope it's not, but it could be done very craftily and very 
very, what, sensual? I don't even know what to say with that, yeah. Anyways, for you Data Live fans, Data Live 4 is coming out on April the 8th, which will also be streaming on Funimation. Now, Magia Record, the final season, will also be streaming on April the 3rd. And there are quite a few other ones as well. Not to downplay any of these other lists as well. I mean, they all have their own likes and dislikes among me. I think you all remember me talking about Uma Musimi. Uma Musimi, which were done a collaboration with um, Grand Blue Fantasy. And the Grand Blue Fantasy of the side games, which was an online browser game. Well, these two are joining forces for a new crossover event. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Shadowverse, Japan, Japanese and global versions, on March 24th, which basically just happened yesterday. So Shadowverse and Uma Musumi have teamed up and doing the tie-in that just started yesterday. So go check it out. I think it should be something really interesting. I never got to check out the one with the Grand Blue Fantasy because, let's face it, I'm picking up way too many games. I am not keeping up with any of them. Elden Ring, I'm looking at you. And um, Dying Light 2, the zombie game. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't want to hear it, fam. No. So, last but not least, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the film, earns $17.7 million in the first three days that it has been released and theatrically shown here in the U.S. That is really awesome. And I know my ticket is just one of many, but I hope you guys are still going out there and supporting to watch these shows because if we don't, how do else do we plan to get any more to come to the U.S. and be shown to us versus straight to DVD or Blu-ray? I'd rather have the option to go see them at the movie theater if I like it go back and purchase it. And you know what? This is one I'm actually going to purchase. Um, yeah. There's also another one I'm looking for. If any of y'all can help me out, it's called Gangsta. G-A-N-G-S-T-A. Gangsta. And I just started watching the episodes on, what was it? On Hulu. But then I found out it was on Funimation. And yeah, I'm really digging this show. It's super cool. It's uh, basically about crime families in a city that have people that are called Twilights. And these Twilights have tags because they're mercenaries and each tag is of a different letter and number and these correspond to a being the highest well so far i've seen a being the highest highest and zero being the highest of a's and it goes down b c and d and these guys have quick reflexes kind of like super superhero but they're not superheroes they don't shoot beams from light or but they can punch through things, and they're fast, and they do things that ordinary people can't or crush people's heads and whatnot. It was really cool. It's it's gritty. It's brash. They don't hold back on their language. Um, it, it it deals with crime, gangs, prostitution. Um, it's, it's good. I really like it. The two protagonists, Nicholas and, oh my goodness, I can't remember his other name. I know his last name is Archangelo. Yeah, they both make the story what it is. And, oh, let me not forget, Nicholas is also deaf, but he can read lips. And please don't make that distinction. I was a sign language interpreter. Deaf, not all deaf people can read lips, okay? Just because they can't hear means they study people's lips and read them, okay? This is just one of those things that gets blown out of proportion. And, yeah, so take that interpretation tossed out the window but in this story nicholas can read lips he's of asian descent he is deaf he uses a samurai sword while his partner has a gun and is a gigolo mind you so you can kind of tell where this is going it's a lot better than that series cop craft if any of you ever saw of a detective with his elf what do you want to call her sidekick who was like over 100 years old, but she looked like a lolly. Basically, she looked like she was 14 or 15. That was super weird, but the show itself and the premise of the darkness that was in there that they were investigating was super cool. But anyways. So now let's jump right into video games. God, there's, I don't even know where to start. There's quite a bit of them. Let's start with the ones that you know I have been playing, Marvel Future Revolution. I jump in there once in a while because I have an alliance of not another anime, which unfortunately is basically about four to six people right now. And yeah, I have magic at over 600,000. 
I forget if it's called battle power or not, or damage. Because, yeah, I have my Black Widow a lot higher. She's at 900,000, but I haven't put in enough time on it. Just like Punishing Grey Raven, uh, every once in a while, I will hop in there to see what's going on. Um, I know they had a new event going on where they released another a tank, a, a lady tank. I can't think of her name. I was able to pull her in the second 10 pull. Wasn't able to get her the first time, which kind of confused me because it was 100% um, markup rate. And having gotten the transcendent before this way, I was confused. So I spent a little money, did a second pull, and I got her, and I was happy with that. Alchemy Stars, well, Alchemy Stars is just there. It's still good. They have another event going on. Uh, they had two new characters, which I was able to get after a couple of pulls, uh, trying to spend less money on this stuff, because if you are any... If you're anywhere into gotcha games, you know how addicting it can be to spend and overspend on these games. So yeah. I did try out a new game for my PlayStation 5. Well, new I say for me. Out for the PS4 for quite a long time. It's called Ace Combat 7, Skies Unknown. Now, one of the games I used to love playing when I was little was called Afterburner. I don't know if any of you were familiar with it. You walk up to the machine, whatever. And you have a throttle, and you have the joystick there. It was usually in gray. It's an afterburner. You were flying. Oh, my goodness. I believe you were flying an F-14A Tomcat. And I know that because planes, jets were my life when I was growing up. Because I always thought I was going to go and join the military and fly jets. Yeah, that's another story for a drink someday. If I meet you down the road, bring it up, and I'll be happy to share it from Iron Eagle to Top Gun to, yeah, you name it. Anyways, Afterburner, you had the joystick, I mean, you had the, yeah, the stick, which was your throttle, and then you had the, no, it wasn't your throttle, you had the stick, which was a controller that you basically did up or down or left or right, and then you had the throttle on the right-hand side, and the trick was, at certain points when the shit got really bad and the missiles were coming with you, and there was no way to avoid them, you would, and poor video game, I'm sure these games broke down so fast, because if you did the throttle like three times super fast, the burners on the video game would thrust on the Tomcat, and you go faster. And if you did that and swerve from left to right, you could do a oop as I call it, a 360, and turn around and avoid a lot of the stuff that was coming at you. It was a fun game, but never really made it that hard. I was too young to really discern from being hit and whatnot, so yeah. I didn't make it that far. But Ace Combat 7 reminds me of that feel because I started playing as an F-16. I just barely got the Tomcat, which I haven't even tried out. I did missions where it's um, a dogfight in the air. I did missions where it's air-to-surface combat, and that was fun. I think I crashed once where I actually hit the ground, but yeah, it was just me not pulling up on time. And it's very different. It's different to play those type of jet games at an older age versus when I was younger because younger I was a lot more reckless and I didn't give a hoot about um, stalling out, which happens with a jet. And yeah, you don't have to worry about G's or anything like that or turning, but some of those turns are on a reel. You're like, that, that wouldn't happen in real life. You'd pass out, basically, even with the mask on. So yeah, yeah, Ace Combat 7. Hey, I did pick up a Final Fantasy game, Final Fantasy Origin Strangers of Paradise. And yeah, I know you're saying, Jesus, Shiv, how many games do you Yeah, Too many, dude. Too, way too many, fam. Final Fantasy Origin, Origin Strangers of Paradise, which is the original game before Final Fantasy 1. Super cool. Three characters you start off with, Jack, Jed, Jettle, and Ash. Each one having their own abilities or own job now remember in final fantasies are not called classes they're called jobs and that can be from black mage to red mage to lancer sword master ronin which is your samurai ex mage etc etc and the list goes on a lot of fun i am enjoying the game i am barely eight percent in because there's so much to unlock and it's super cool because it doesn't really walk you all the way through, it's not as bad as Elden Ring, where you have to discover things. And I say bad because a lot of people disagree with Elden Ring and the way they do things. But again, another topic of from software, which I agree with, and a lot of people don't. So take it as back to Final Fantasy Origin. 
So there's not a lot of explanation. They give you the details beginning of how to work things out, your soul shield and taking abilities and different classes, but you learn along the way how to upgrade your classes, and as you get new weapons or new abilities, you unlock a different class. You also make it down to a, how do you call it, an ability tree or job skill tree. And there at the end, you can unlock like Dark Knight or Knight, etc., Warrior, and the stances will allow you for more abilities to harness and use. But I am having a blast. Um, I picked up another new character, a young female, and I put her on the team, took out, who was it? Jed, I think. So right now I'm running with a black mage. Myself, I am the Ronin slash Swordmaster, because Swordmaster is my highest at level 30 right now, while the Ronin's barely hitting like at 16 or 17, or close to 20s maybe. I can't remember what I left Ash at. Oh, no, no. I left Ash as a pugilist, a fighter with his hands. I mean, I could have switched them. The monk was was available. But I really saw no reason for the heals yet. Um, I could use more damage than anything else. All right, and I'm back. So let's talk about this controversial Pixar Disney movie called Turning Red, which I had no idea was actually a controversy until I started reading up on what really happen. Um, I basically go over it by doing the story analysis, illustrations, lasting impressions on it, and then, you know what, I'm going to give my two cents and then some. Because here at Not An Anime Anime, there is no spoilers. So please, feel free to listen, take in what you want. If you want more, I suggest go and watch it, because it's really worth the watch. And yeah, I don't like to spoil things that I want to see, and I would expect the same from other people as well. So let's begin. Turning Red, a turning-of-age story for a young girl, Mei Li, set in 2002. The goody-goody daughter who loves her parents and always wants to accomplish and impress her mother. Never straying from what her mother more than her dad might disapprove, Mei tries finding balance between her at-home life and the longing of having a normal teenage life with her three friends. Unfortunately, once Mei starts waving from the path of being the at-home child, her mother Ming starts becoming way overbearing, based on a previous relationship or not with her own mother. Add in the mix, self-independence of a teenager, puberty, and turning into a red panda? Pixar has definitely nailed another winner that has great emotions and a good message. How does a red panda fit into the mix of an adolescent young girl? History and legend. On a night of a red moon, Sun Yi, a great descendant of Mei Li, prayed to the gods to make her a red panda, and give her the strength to protect her people. A prayer which the gods answered. By harnessing her emotions, Sun Yi was able to transform into a massive red panda and protect her village and her family. Women in Mei Li's family seem to understand what Mei is experiencing, and as the story unfolds, you include cute boys who are similar to a K-pop band, and the conflict ensues. <laughs> Illustrations, or artwork, or yeah, animation. Top-notch, as I've always enjoyed Pixar films growing up, from Ratatouille to Up and Brave, amongst many other Pixars, has always nailed hitting the emotional cues and garnering the story that is important to share, to be told, and understood. Lasting impressions. Definitely a must-watch. Now, here we go. I have heard many parents criticizing the movie for the handling of the title amongst the elements within the movie. Um, question mark, question mark. I don't understand. Now, seriously, I'm confused. We were all at the age where we hit puberty. Boy or girl, and yes, I know this is a female-centric, not male-centric film. We all had different issues, circumstances, talking to's, ignore, and a what's not. So, then, why do you criticize a film that cares to take a story such as puberty and incorporate it into a story's cultural legend to give young, to give a young girl's a voice. Maybe it's because parents still have issues talking to their children about hard issues or topics such as these. We are in the 21st century. Again, 21st flipping century. This film does nothing to disrespect or hide the real facts of life or our bodily changes. Now, you can. I don't know what I'm talking about. Say that. Because, yes, I do not have kids. 
I have worked with teenagers a good portion of my life and my working experience and whatnot. But I still think having that one-on-one with your own child is important. Yet alone, letting them discover what you have shared along with, you know, adding in films, shows that respectfully and tastefully try to further the issue or self-discoveries of the younger individuals. Then, reflecting back with them about questions or issues is where the parent's role comes in or guardian. Pixar is in no way responsible for raising your child or answering all their questions. Parents, this is you. I speak as a former educator, too, if you didn't know that as well. All right, I'll hop off my soapbox. (laughs) Well done, Pixar. 8.5 out of 10, folks. I really love this show. It was really cute. It did hit a lot of those issues for a young female, and I'm not talking like I know what a young female goes through because I don't. I don't even begin to start to understand or or know firsthand. I can only empathize, but it deals with issues of puberty, their bodies changing, whatnot, the issues of having to deal with their parents and folks who they've always been close with. Now they're starting to distance themselves because they're hanging out with their friends. Then they find the relations with boys and whatnot, and to me... It's just, why do we forget when we get older, older, what we have personally gone through, what we did not receive from our own parents? Why is it okay for what we did to be the same as our children will receive when we can make that change and that difference now and decide for ourselves, this is what should happen? Because with Pixar, they're just touching a subject that really no one really wants to touch or jump into because, yeah, look at all the criticism that's out there. And address it in the way they know how to, making the best animation films that they do. So kudos to you, Pixar. Love what you did with the work. So now, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to do an anime review versus a manga review. Again, never done this before, so I'm hoping this goes well. If it doesn't, hey, feel free to hit me up on my social media, Twitter, not another anime, and let me know. But, please, constructive feedback only. Not just, eh, it was alright, or it sucked, dude. I mean, tell me where I can improve. Tell me what I can do better. Tell me what I did good. I'd appreciate the, the latter. So, yeah. So we're doing what I'm calling an AM deep dive, an anime manga deep dive. And this is on Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Remember, this is a non-spoiler manga to anime review of Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. No worries, as I won't talk about anything that you have not been made aware of from the manga volumes, anime series, or you saw in trailers. Basically, I'm saying there are no spoilers. So listen at will and decide for yourself if you haven't already made it to the theater to watch Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. So, I have been hyped and anticipating putting together this segment for you, fam. It's time to deep dive anime manga AM of Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, meaning comparing the anime to the manga. Normally, manga, for the win, is having the restraint of time issues causes important scenes or moments to be on a chopping block when watching the anime version of the manga or animation or film, whatever you want to call it. That, or the creative juices, as they say, are interpreted differently by the producer. Because we all see what happened with them. Best example, Star Wars. Which one was it? Star Wars with the Luke. I can't even think right now. Eight. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, enough small talk. Let's get this going. So, similarities. Well, there was Yuta Okotsu. Check. Panda. Togi Maki. Who are the first years in this movie. Or anime, if you want to call it. Check. Satoru. And the higher-ups bent on killing what they don't understand. Check. Evil Bad, Suguru. From first season, Bad of the anime series. Check. Yes, minus the first years we love and started our journeys off with Jujutsu Kaisen anime season 1. This movie was close to perfection as one can receive. Yes, I watched with the subtitles, by the way as I personally don't like to mix the voices of English and Japanese when I'm familiar with characters of Season 1, as I discovered in Japanese form. Now, differences. Subtle. And when I say subtle, I'm talking about maybe phrases or words being changed from the manga writings to anime movie. Okay, and yes, the presentation of the story does not completely flow to flow the manga to anime movie. So what? 
Everything is still there. From the manga, you need to know. Difference. You get more intense fight scenes. Oh my god, the fight scenes were amazing, family. And the playing out of the scenes, the manga just briefly showcased, such as the incident night parade of 100 demons. Pretty fucking badass, I have to say. Personal desire. And this has to do with the night of parade, etc. I wanted to know more about one character in particular, Mei Mei. Yes, I can read it on the Jujutsu Kaisen manga to find out more about her. But when I saw her in action during the night parade of 100 demons, wow. There were also other, how do I call them? Also other Jujutsu sorcerers in there that we've roughly seen or you all who read the manga more, more prominently have probably come across that I've never seen before because I've only seen season one. And I did, yes, read Jujutsu Kaisen Zero before I saw the movie. So, yeah, as an interest, I mean, I know there's too much to cover and there's only one season and they can only draw it out for so long. But still, it, it's very fascinating the world of this. So what I loved, I love seeing, pa- I love seeing Panda, Togi and Maki all in action, especially with Yuda. From the anime, we get a new set of first years, but we see these three again when they have their Gyoto Sister School Goodwill event in Season 1. Learning about these three beforehand makes me really appreciate their reintroduction in the anime series, more impactful with Fushiguro, Kugisaki, and Itadori. A well-added prequel to the world of Jujutsu Kaisen, I feel that continues to surprise and grow. I'm definitely wanting to read more of the manga series that have started the first couple of volumes already. And that said, it was awesome. Remember, they do have a dub in English, so you can always go watch in there. Don't think that you have to stick with just the Japanese sub- English subtitles on there, but it was amazing. Everything from start to finish was awesome. Unfortunately, I had to step out for a real quick bit, but I came back just as soon as I can towards the end there. And yeah, it to the anime, to the manga, they did a fantastic job. They knocked it out of the park. And yeah, I can see why it's made so much in Japan. And here's hoping that beyond the 17.7 million it's made here, it continues to grow. I mean, realistically, I hope it can hit about 25 million before it's over. But unrealistically, I would wish it would make like 50 million or so here. So Please go support it. Don't copyright it or pirate it online if you if you don't have to. I know we all come from different backgrounds. We all don't have the money for it. But if you do, please support. Amen. Now, going into some comic reviews. Because, yes, it's been a little while since I've done any of those. The first one I want to mention is We Have Demons, which was released for the first uh, this month. And I picked it up this past Wednesday when we had our releases, uh, being on my holiday or vacation. Um, it's written by Scott Snyder, uh, penciled by Greg Capullo. And those two by themselves was yeah, more than enough. Um, inks, colors, letters, all that good stuff. I'm reviewing issue number one. This is a mature read done by Dark Horse Comics. Now, please remember. These reviews, as any of our reviews, unless noted, are spoiler-free. So listen ahead. Enjoy and see if you might pick up a read online this comic series. So the story begins with a disclaimer about the story involving death, blood and guts, gloom, and faith. Huh? Our story starts with Lamusu, Lamb for short, speaking with a couple who are the epitome of goodness in their community. And as people on the verge of having their triplets soon, we then take a backtrack into the past of Lamb, nicknamed by her father Dilla like an armadillo, because her father referenced that she had her guard armor always on. Well, Della losing her arm by means unconventional. Fortunately, her father replaces her arm with upgrade prosthetics, as his father-daughter relationship takes a strain when Lamb confronts him regarding an issue. Fast forward now. Lamb is studying astrophysics away at a university when a call comes about her father's passing. At this point, the story truly begins with the fall of mankind and her father's partner, Gus. We are then thrust into the world's origin stories of the Big Bang, explaining the elemental components that existed with two specifics, Halo and Horn. The symbolization of Halo representing the myths such as the Fountain of Youth, to Horn, the corruption and transformation of the world's first demons. To combat these demons, Halo was fashioned into weapons and blades. Of the thousand that were made, 
to the modern era of the now. Nine, yeah, I said it, nine were only left in existence to a group group called the Glories. Fast forward to Lamb, back with a couple, having told them she was about to literally ax him to death because they were believed to be culprits in Father's passing. Unbeknownst, our battle begins. Demons and gore mass. Gus makes his first appearance. Oh, and don't forget that arm her father was working on when the two had their last conversation. Lamb confronted him with questions as a kid. Well, that's back in play. Side notes. Yes, that's the story in a nutshell. As Scott Snyder then spends a few pages talking about his creative studio. Away from the mainstream pressures of putting comics out like a distillery. He explains his creative forces that are a part and support of his studio, Best Jacket Press, BJP. We are then allowed insight into the story with a rough outline for issue one. Here, at the very end. That is very cool. Snyder takes us page by page giving the outline for the story with lots of detail, backstory, and whatnots. I love when you see the creative juices of a group of creative professionals putting together a finalized product such as We Have Demons here. My enjoyment. I'm writing this on a Wednesday, even though I'm recording this on a Friday evening. As I just finished my weekly visit to comic shop to pick up my pools and peruse anything new. <laughs> new being, We Have Demons. I saw the three different covers going with the variant cover by Peach Momoko, illustrating Lamb with her limp right arm, the snake and stars or universe. Well done, I commend. But the other two were just as good, but personal choice of mine regarding the cover art, of course. Snyder and Capullo sealed the deal for me and what I was going to run with reading this comic. I won't lie, as faith in their previous endeavors have always captured and piqued my interest. I love this comic. It comes off as gritty and no holds barred. I know topics of the Big Bang and religion can be very touchy, but I've always been of opinions that differ from my own because it garners a vaster knowledge of learning we should never stop participating in because we feel or believe in one way. The artwork was very detailed. Loved the usage of color schemes and page layouts. Now, I was a bit apprehensive when I started the comic because the comic layout was on par, but on left and right sides, we had black columns with white warding font as back information to read along with the comic tiles. I did not want to have to read the whole comic this way. I was a little bit scared, to be honest. But it played well, doing its part as serving background history until it was no longer of use. Sigh of relief. <laughs> I totally recommend We Have Demons if you're into the genre of demons, apocalyptic coming of the world, blood and guts, and more. I look forward to picking up issue two due out as a state on the last page. April 20th of this year. But, do you know, this is also a Comixology original. So, yeah, go check it out out there. The second critique down the hit, oh, pardon my pun, is called Hit Me, which also came out this past Wednesday. The writer is Krista Faust, artist Priscilla Petrates, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced this, or Petrates, and the colorist is Marco Lesko. I am revealing, reviewing issue one, and this is a five-issue series, with issue two coming out on April 13th of this year. It is put out by AWA Studios and is for the mature reader. Again, as always, these reviews are spoiler-free. That's all I'll say. The story, a crime thriller with a young woman, Lulu, who we learn is a sex worker. Lulu is standing in the mirror, getting ready to shower with bruises of all shapes, even looking like handprints, covered all over her body. She discusses pays and rates remarks left by her clientele. Her safety and handling situations, we learn, are handled in training with her guard dog, quote-unquote, that's what she calls him, Danny, who is a toned, physique specimen young man. Sexual attraction and chemistry exist between the two, though. Through friendly banter, and discussions of what's next on her schedule. But, put to a stop by her philosophy, I don't do serious. At this point, our story begins. We follow Lulu to her next appointment at the Diamond Dust Casino, where we are introduced to the owner of perverse indulgences and lacking morals other than what money can buy. Her next appointment, a Keanu Reeves, almost suave-looking look, guy, um, gets some fair introduction as Lamb prepares to meet. Unfortunately, our story takes a dive from the sex worker meets client normality when a third party shows up uninvited. And shots fired, Lamb is in need of some tending to with Danny in tow. 
Did I mention a bag of diamonds? Well, a girl has to get paid, right? <laughs> All right. Side notes. Just as in the previous comic I reviewed, our writer here, Krista Foss, in Letters from the Creators, um, towards the end of the, the actual comic, explains her background into the story that is the comic Hit Me. The perspective of a sex worker who is a strong and independent woman, the indulgences of those seeking companionship or personal interests from, and as aspects of sexuality. In my opinion, she does an awesome job explaining, giving references, and being upfront where and what the story is without sugarcoating what is an uncomfortable topic to the general public. Enjoyment. The visual with this comic appealed to me in my decision to pick up another new comic. We see Lulu holding the Ace of Speeds card in the right hand. As I made reference to the casino game Blackjack, I mean, it said hit me, right? And the title, yeah. Unbeknownst until after writing this review, she's also holding, and I noticed this is in, a single diamond in her left hand, which makes sense. And a card has splatters of red symbolizing blood, also makes sense. Loving the analogies and metaphors being thrown around by the story from stray cats and loyal dogs don't mix to why can't you just admit that you like getting hurt just as much as I do? Phrases involving matters of love. Danny is even wearing a shirt to one of my favorite movies from the 90s, The Crow. Fucking great job. The Diamond Dust Casino having references to the Rat Pack era, to our modern world of Sinatra, etc. I do not believe this book is a general read for everyone, though. As I started my review, I said crime thriller, but encompasses more the sex worker realm, conditions, etc. I will, though, pick up the next issue on April 13th to progress through the story and see where it takes Lulu. So, take that for what it's worth. Very different read. Um, gritty. Um, can be a little over-sexualized, but... I mean, you're dealing with the topic of sex worker. But interesting. And some... How do I say this? Some a lot, no, not some. A lot of realism in it with sex work and whatnot, and the clientele that they deal with, etc. So, if you're real squeamish about reading about that or touching subjects, then I say stay away from Hit Me. But if you are more on the opposite end or curious or just you know want a crime thriller that it doesn't matter if it has issues or not, then take a chance. Um, I think it's worth the read. Yeah. Alright, so skipping from comics, from anime to manga, from movies, we're going to go on to manga reviews. And my review is going to be of the same story, just two different volumes. It's called ZOM 100, and it's ZOM 100 Bucket List of the Dead. Yeah, you heard me, another zombie flick, or manga in this case, as if, what was the other one? I'm trying to think of, Kingdom of Z. Was not enough. And yes, I will go back to reading that. I have three. I'm, I need to pick up four. I'm actually waiting for four. And if I can get my hands on that other one I mentioned earlier at the start of this um, podcast, Gangsta, I would love to do a review on that and give you insight into what that's all about. Because again, um, crime thriller, gangsters, mobsters, mafia, uh, Twilight's with special abilities, pretty damn cool. Um... Think of a mix-up of Baki meets, what are some crime thrillers? Uh, Copcraft doesn't really do it justice, and I don't know that many, many crime thrillers out there, but mafia-style shows or whatnot, and a uh, good sense of humor between the two as well. So, yeah, I failed that one, sorry. Anyways, manga reviews. Let's hit Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead, Volume 1, of 10, actually. Six volumes currently available. The rest are still to be determined. Published by Viz Media. Go Viz. I actually have their app on my phone right now. And they're, they're the ones that actually I'm able to read Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. They're actually offering it. Hey, here's a note. They're offering it for free right now. And I don't know if it's because I signed up or if you sign up now, you can read them. All four of the chapters are available for free. You don't need a paid account yet. Go in there, read it, then go watch the film. Or if you watch the film, go read the manga and then give it your own review or your own spin and whatnot. But they're free, and I think they're free for one more day or two more days. So get on it. All right, please remember, these reviews, as any reviews, unless noted, are spoiler-free. So listen ahead, enjoy, and see if you might want to pick up or read one of these manga online or at your local bookstore. Story. I'm back at it again with another zombie adventure, but luckily this time not in a high school setting. 
Meet protagonist Akira Tendul, an overenthusiastic, full-of-life employee who just scored his first big job until three years later, lack of a normal work schedule, no time for vacation or days off, burned out, and wishing he were dead Akira. Until one brainwashed day and emotions get to work, the world is turned upside down. Unbeknownst to Akira and the reader, by zombies ravaging everywhere. At that crucial moment, the first thing that pops into Akira's mind setting the stage for this story is, can you guess it? Free. <laughs> Happy spirits, a new form, positive attitude, and a craving for beer, Akira is now on cloud nine in a world full of zombies and chaos. Yeah, very twisted. But not in the sense of dark. On one chance beer run while making selections of what to choose in the cooler, two coolers down from him is a young woman in um, a tank top and sweatpants and whatnot. Uh, the woman is carefully choosing, selecting products. First starts of Akira are to start making small talk and get her information. Former wage slave Akira is now living life to the fullest, upgrading his means of transportation from bicycle to Harley Davidson motorcycle. All while checking off his list of things, his bucket list, yes, he would like to do now that he no longer has to work. Realizing how lonely the world seems, he reached out. Now that the time is readily available to friends, particularly one friend or his best bud, Kencho Ryuzake, 24 years and the best friend back in his rugby days. The self-realization of awakening in the deep yearnings of his best bud is realized as the two overcome their differences and redefine what they should be doing with their lives. We are complimented at the end with a small chapter into introducing Shizuka Mikazuki, the young lady Akira tried to smooth talk at the convenience store, and her situation in this world while having encountered Akira's positive attitude grabbing beer in a post-apocalyptic world. Now the art. The designs were over-exaggerated, but playful in tone. In my opinion, it gave the story the feel and emotions that it needed to convey the comedic and few serious moments, few serious moments it shared. Sorry, I read the book from start to finish, never feeling confused or having to reread any comic layouts, as the flow was smooth. Characters. Well, of course, I mentioned Akira, our protagonist. Timid, unsure of himself, not confident, but wanting to be the one to save the day. Mikazuki. Doing things her way. If you don't fall within her motto of sustainability or offering some advantage, she wants nothing to do with you or group up. And his best bud, Kinchul. Best bud to Akira, who puts on a smiling face, but was also stuck in a dead-end loophole of life. I believe he was working as a real estate agent. After reconnecting with his buddy, definitely coming back into his own, full of life, and being that playboy that Akira knew him to be back in the rugby days. My enjoyment... Well, you all know my feelings about zombie movie stories or whatever. I try to stay away from the typical tropes of the genre to find something new and creative. I ran across a story from a previous catalog from my local comic shop and took a chance with Volume 1 and 2. After reading through Volume 1 in a matter of minutes, I found myself laughing and tickled with the protagonist's feeble start as you can relate in some capacity having to work a job you loathe. Long hours... Great pay, but no time to enjoy the fruits of your labor, yet alone keep up with the adulting tasks of cleaning house, having a social life, etc., etc. I really did not know what to expect, but knew right from the declaration of being himself, a zombie, at his work, to free would be our motivation for the ongoing story and loved every second. I can't wait to continue the story in Volume 2 to see where the best buds and this newly introduced young lady continue in a world ravaged by zombie apocalypse. I don't know how, where or what started as the zombies, but I rarely paid much attention as I do other reads, shows, watches that I want to know. I'm here for the joyous ride, and whether they share how the world became as it did, I could care less one bit or another. Yeah, so that's Zomb 100 Volume 1 Bucket List of the Dead. Akira basically has his bucket list, and he's making it since he's free from his job that he was basically a slave to or a zombie, the pun intended there, I'm sure, by the writers. And it's really fun. It's playful. Yeah, it's in a world that's torn and people get killed and whatnot. And they realize, the two guys do realize that emotions run flare when they lose people. But they're still happy-go-lucky. And they're still trying to, to do their list of 100. And they're only, they're only one-third into it, actually. And they've only marked out, like... Out of the one-third of it, less than a quarter of that list. So they're trying to, to do things 
as fast as they can. One of them being wine and dine a flight attendant. You know how ridiculous that sounds when the world's been torn to shit, basically, and we're living in the zombie apocalypse, but it's there on Akira's list, and yeah, you don't know how that's going to be done. All right, last of the manga reviews is going to be volume two. Again, this is Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead. Again, I said this is of 10 volumes, six of which are already available. And by the way, I picked up three and four, so I'm excited to keep going if that doesn't tell you how interested I am in this in this trope. So, oh, I did, oh, I did screw up. All right, I did say publisher of this media, but I didn't even say who the story and the artist with. Apologies. Haru Asu is the story. Kotoro Takata is the artist, and this is for older teens. Again, this is spoiler-free, and yes, I'm giving out information, but it doesn't, it will not detract from your reading of the story yourself. Let's just put it that way. Because you know what I've told you already will not change the fact of the story and where it's going with it. So keep that in mind. All right, the story. We continue the misadventures I'm calling, I'm calling it basically, with Akira and Kencho living in the zombie apocalyptic world with little cares other than what their bucket list items need to be completed. Working down their list, now a team effort between these two, the two of them managed to continue crossing off more items on their checklist while on a mission to attain a bigger widescreen television. <laughs> One mishap leads to another as they creatively combat the zombies while saving a large group of survivors. On top of that, they run into Akira's crush, Shizuka. Yeah, you heard me. Shizuka. Being able to attain finally her contact information in the end. Implorable tactics, high stakes, and fun-loving adventure, this dynamic duo never ceases to have me laughing and wanting to keep the story going. That's all I can really say about the story. I mean, I know that doesn't say much, because if uh, the situations, if I tell you, that just takes away from the anticipation of what you're going to run into and just the craziness for, for what they come up with. Um, yeah. The art, designs were good. Continuing the same film aesthetic from the first volume, one. The first volume one. Talking too fast. I do have one gripe that I never mentioned or missed on my first read of volume one. The big action sequences, and I think there are more in this one than the first one, or dramatic scenes, were very hard to decipher what's happening in the scene. By looking at the next few layouts, you can determine what has transpired, but still very lacking on clarity. Another volume one. Wait, what? Sorry. Screwed up my writing here. Another volume I picked up and read from start to finish. Wow, that was easy. Huh. Mind you, these aren't great works of literature that have hundreds of pages, I know that. But for me, sitting in one go and reading straight through is a rare accomplishment, understanding my time constraints with life, work, and everything in between. Now back to the characters. Let's see where we left them. Akira, our protagonist, who was a scared, unsure young man, well, is still the same, but has gained some more confidence in himself as he pursues creative ideas in saving people and realizing what life means in general by his experiences in meeting others. Kencho, excuse me, Kencho, still the playboy, never passes up the opportunity to be a ladies' man, but now with his best bud, having the time of his life within safety constraints. Mikazuki, Continues to be a stuck a bitch. Um, hey, not sugar, not sugarcoating anything here. So towards the end of the volume, she does have a self-realization that the way others handle situations don't line up with her own ideals. And you know what? That's all right too. Akira still continues to her maze to amaze her way of thinking and self-analyzing the world conflict and her own judgments in what he does. And when I say what he does, um, oh, yeah, think puncture proof. Enjoyment. I loved volume two just as much as the first volume. Definitely giving this a read if you like zombie tropes is a must. Do not expect a heavy gore or sexualized encounter. These two young guys definitely take all the things you thought you'd seen and throw a twist. And again, I'll pull it up. Puncture proof? Snorting drinks. Yes, I said no spoilers, so read on if you want to know what those two actually meant. I definitely plan to finish the series after researching it has planned 10 volumes in whole. And I already said this. Unfortunately, with COVID, things are definitely on a hiatus. But luckily, there are six more volumes currently available to keep the adventure of these two guys going. Come on. Give it a glance at least while you're at your local bookstore if there's a copy. Or your local comic or library. You know you're curious. Now, 
The next episode I come back with, there's one I really want to... I talked about episodes before that I knew was coming out in March and is ready on Netflix, and I'll go ahead and bring it up. Um, it's called Adam by Eve, a live in animation. I never got the chance to sit around and watch it and, and analyze it, but I hope that in episode 10... Wow, episode 10. God, did I even say we're on episode 9? I don't think I did. Sorry, fam. Yeah, this is episode 9 of not another animated podcast, and... The one after this is going to be 10. We're actually going to hit double digits. Holy smokes. Can't believe I made it. 10 episodes. Anyways, my mind goes off in wonder. Um, Adam by Eve, Alive in Animation. I'm hoping to do a review on that next one for the next episode that we have here. There are also a couple of other comics that I wanted to review that I didn't have the time for. One of them being Slumber. And it just came out recently, and I hear it's something about serial killers or whatnot, and it's got a real gritty cover of this lady with a sawed-off shotgun covered in blood in her pants and her trench coat, and person looking like he's in a bed with um, some type of brain, no, some type of helmet with wires hanging out that have lights on it, and then she's coming out of a closet that's next to it, or a door, and behind it looks like a carnival, but there's a hand. I didn't even see this for a hand and clown horn. What? Uh, yeah, so it looks very interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing what goes there. There's another one I would like to do, and I don't know if I'll get to this next time, but I do plan to do other stuff. Step by Bloody Step. The look of it is this big golem basically walking. Um, he kind of reminds me of an aesthetic of from the Batman man animation Clayface. Kind of got layers on that look like armor. He's got all these pieces of wood, it looks like, or, yeah, things stuck in him, sticking out. They look like splinters. And then on one of the splinters is someone standing on it near his shoulder as they're walking along in the snow. Super interesting. Also, there are quite a few manga and other ones that I hope to read and do some more analysis on because I think a lot of you really like when I do the manga reviews. I mean, I would. It gives me an insight um, into what I might expect or if it's something I might be interested on without giving away the story because that's my whole feeling on it. I don't... If you give away the story, I mean, that doesn't hurt. I don't mind it when I'm not going to watch it, but if something I'm really wanting to read based on what someone's shared... And catches my attention. I'd rather find out for myself than knowing exactly what's going to happen. Um, minus horror movies. I could care less. You can tell me what happened and then eventually I'll watch them. So jump scares really don't get the best of me. But regardless, that is it, fam. I've hit the end of episode 9. I am so happy to be back with you all. We're a little bit over, hopefully over, an, hopefully over an hour. We might be close to it and whatnot. I thank you all as always for listening. Um... Please feel free to like, comment, five-star this if you think I have some type of future in continuing this show. I definitely don't want to give up on other than anime. I hope to keep this going. I do want to change some things up within the next few episodes. And when I say changing things up, I'm talking about maybe like some bumpers or adding different music. Not that I don't hate the one that we have, but it's always nice for change. Evolution, I say. So with that said... I hope you all are going to have a one. I hope I wish you all a wonderful weekend ahead. Um, I still have a few more days left on my vacation, so I'm going to go enjoy those. And I think I'm going to go grab some sushi right now before they close. I guess that's where my mind's been more than anything else. I have about 30 minutes to get out of here and go grab something. So that's it. I am out. Um, Twitch.tv, not another anime underscore. YouTube, not another anime. Twitter, not another anime. Um, just basically go to the link tree and look up under the anime. You can find everything there, even short email. Any questions or comments, email me, Twitter, post a message, post a like. I still try to keep up with it and post things up that I find interesting and whatnot. Video game-wise, I'll still be going down the list. I don't know how far I'm going to get, but I think tonight I might do some more Ghostwire Tokyo. So come join me for that. Um, when I say I'm going to do, it probably won't be till about 10.30 or 11 because I'm very going to get out of here and go grab my treat. But that's it. Happy to be back. Happy you're back. I hope you don't give up on us. hope you don't give up on me. And I'll keep this going for as long as the lights stay on. So until next time, fam, this is Chivalrous. You have a wonderful weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. Ciao.